Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Brian, I want to announce the feed change once more times. Once more is agains. When, when's that going to happen again? Uh, it's going to happen over the weekend, or it'll happen by the next show. So the reason we took this week off or the Wednesday episode off was because I needed the time to get everything in order with moving things around and cleaning things up and putting the Art 19 players on the website, which is an ongoing <laughs> fun thing to do. So it happens when you're on episode 391. Oh, Jesus Christ. Tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. So I've been working on the website and stuff like that and working on the back end to get everything going. But when the feed change happens... There will only be 10 episodes in the feed for a little while. So it, here now's your chance. If you want to go back and download the whole back catalog, please be my guest right now. Be our guest. Be our guest. Put your podcaster to the test. Yes, while we're still getting free bandwidth. <laughs> we appreciate that. <laughs> yes, now is the time to get to your full catalog, please. Exactly. And if you get it in Overcast, you can't star all 391 episodes. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, uh, that's coming, and we appreciate uh, everybody setting their their podcast player to only download the latest few episodes. That would be fantastic for us, because chances are everything in the feed is going to look like it's new again. So we apologize for that. There's just nothing we can do. This is one of the podcasting foibles that when you change hosting providers, it just screws you, and and (laughs) there's nothing we can do. Sorry about it. Yep, it is what it is. So Brian, did you get your free Google Mini from Spotify yet? No. Okay. I have to be honest, I didn't bother. Uh, I was too busy oh. fixing all the things that I already had that were broken to get something new to throw in. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, well, I, I just I, I figured why. I mean, I was like, okay, yeah, it's completely free. Uh, but, you know, I don't need things that are completely free, and I don't need a Google Google Mini. So. Well, I wanted to try it, and mine shipped and was delivered. Mm-hmm. But since I haven't bought anything from Google in a very long time... <laughs> It was, of course, delivered to my old home address in Downers Grove, Illinois. <laughs> oh. Whoever's living there has just been getting a, a bounty of random items. She finally emailed me a couple months ago saying, we get stuff for you all the time because I'm on all these mailing lists from publishers that they send me books and stuff. Right. And uh, I know she's gotten a couple of nice blue apron boxes because before I moved, <laughs> I screwed up and sent those there. But yeah, my Google Mini was delivered. But a couple months ago when she wrote to me, I'm like, you know what, if anybody can't do their due diligence and change the address like I've asked them to. Well, then screw them. You can keep it. You can give it away. You can recycle it. Do what you want to with it. Right. Well, now she's got a free Google Mini. <laughs> Shit. Oh, well, well, now I wish I would have gotten it because then I could have given you mine. But uh, oh well. That's why I was asking if you got yours because <laughs> I was going to try and steal it from you. Uh, steal it. You could, uh, you know, I'd, I'd give it to you in a bag. It's all yours. <laughs> okay. I, I have no interest in getting into the Google infrastructure uh, in yeah. my house. So kind of like the bag of echoes that I gave you. Yes. Which is still sitting in my closet because I don't need that many echoes. Of course you do, man. You got to have one in the shower. You got to have one next to the pot. You got to have one in the closet. You, Google you, or, you've uh, been to my place. It's not, you know, I live by the beach. It's not very big. That's true. Alexa, where's my belt? You know? <laughs> Yeah, find that. 
So in continued follow-up, the the death spiral of Gawker Media and the the ongoing kind of autopsies that are going on about it, it's, it's big news because, you know, it's a big journalistic site that bit the dust. Um, there's a really good long-form article that kind of gets into what happened and why it happened, at least from the perspective of one of the journalists there named Megan Greenwall, and it's called The, uh, the Adults in the Room. So she's basically stating it's not dead because it's failed, it's dead because it was murdered by a vindictive billionaire and there existed no legal infrastructure to protect it (laughs) now this is a bit hyperbolic i don't believe that this was a terrifying blow to freedom as she does but it wasn't good um a shocking number of other journalists said the site deserved it they should have had more decorum should have had it should have been less rude should have placated the right people instead of making fun of them and then she points out though what they don't say and what they're still not saying was that gawker made journalism better through inspiring new publications and through pushing the legacy ones to be more interesting they don't say that gawker unionizing made conditions better across the industry I agree with that point 100%. And they don't say that the company's websites were consistently profitable and beloved by readers, that the business model published stories that people wanted to read, supported by advertising, worked exactly as it was intended to. And she is also correct about that. Say what you will about Gawker Media and the all the sites that they had. They worked and they made money. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like the, the just the little dig in here. It's like, okay, Gawker sucked, so other media outlets came online to fill the void of good journalism. To, you know they put they pushed people into better journalism by being bad right i like that part yeah, uh yeah I, I didn't shed a tear for gawker i'm sorry <laughs> i'm not a fan not a fan at i'm all. not a fan either of gawker but i'm not a fan of what of what peter they're replacing Thiel. it with <laughs> yes. oh they, yeah that too but yeah. definitely not a fan of peter Thiel in that instance so. yeah there you go and we all know by now that of course google has snapped up fitbit and who we say to what end and to which we know the answer, to your data, even though they claim <laughs> that they won't. So they obviously the acquisition immediately raised concerns about data privacy. Um, you know, health and wellness data is pretty personal. And they Google's been up front about this and said, well, we're not going to use any of that data for Google ads. However, they did not specify any other aspects of the giant Google empire that they would or would not use this data for. Uh, This acquisition is also giving more fodder to regulators who are already scrutinizing Google about whether the company is too big and should be broken up. Um, They've said in a blog post that this is basically just, uh, we we have this great, nobody knows about this awesome operating system that we have called Wear OS, and this will bring it to the masses and everybody will rejoice. And that's really the only reason that they did this. Um, But... You know, we don't know what Google's going to do with this data. We don't know how they're going to what they're going to use it with. We just know right now that it's not going to be used to target your ads. Could it be used to influence your search results, to suggest restaurants in your neighborhood, to build new health products, to make calendar invite suggestions? There are all kinds of things that Google does with data that basically they haven't said that they're not going to use it for. So it's a bit of a worry. And the idea here is, of course, the 25 million active users of Fitbit knew Fitbit was getting their data and they were kind of okay with it because Fitbit had a relatively decent track record about keeping data private and not using it in various ways. Google does not have that track record. Well, here's the thing. (laughs) (laughs) I got another article over on ZDNet, which which basically makes the entire point moot. Fitbit is doomed! Why everything (laughs) Google buys turns to garbage! So... Here's the thing. Google might have your data from Fitbit, but it doesn't matter because in the long run, Fitbit's just going to go away. It will be Nest wearables, and then it will be Google wearables, and then it will just go away. Because Google has a horrendous track record of buying up things and killing them. 
either through either through shutting them down or just sheer incompetence. Yeah, gross mismanagement. Yeah. So I'm not too worried about my Fitbit data going to Google because I, I honestly I don't have a lot of data there except steps. That's right. it. I don't I've got a dumb I've got a dumb bit. Yes. It, you it you, you use the uh, use as many devices as possible for every different thing approach to life. Well, I have to because <laughs> I hate wrist based walking trackers and Fitbit is the only viable option that is decent. So I have to. I'm fine right. with that. I'm actually thinking about going and buying a backup just in case they stop selling it because now that Google's taken over, I'm sure it's like their least popular model and it's the last one. It's the last in line. So I'm before they do destroy the company. <laughs> and I mean, granted, here's the deal. I, you know, it's just a couple of years. They'll kill it off, whatever. At least I get a couple more years after the, the merger of Fitbit because Fitbit was probably going to be dead anyway soon. Uh, certainly on the consumer end, they were definitely looking to pivot that way just to be B2B or healthcare. Yeah, so I look at the Google acquisition as a plus for me. It's as a lifeline. <laughs> yeah, because I get to I get to track my steps. It's fantastic. So we'll stick with that one. I'm 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 looking on the bright side here. And how much more does Google need from me? I, that's why I'm, I'm like my mind is boggled here. There's not that much data that they can get that they don't already have out of the Fitbit thing. Right. They've they've already got your data from your phones, from your browsers. They they know where you're at. They know what you're doing. It doesn't really matter. You know, it's not like there's some magical thing in the Fitbit data that is something that's like, oh, wait, okay, he had an elevated heart rate around noon. Oh, great. We know we know when he goes to sleep. Well, yeah. probably within the standard range of when most people go to sleep would be my guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so whatever. I, I think this is just, I don't know, I just think this is silly, people getting caught up in that. But that's just my two cents. And uh, a little more than two cents. I saw this over at the New York Times. I loved it. Why $4.5 billion from big tech won't end California housing crisis? Because well, $405 billion isn't going to end the California housing crisis. Yeah, $4.5 trillion won't. <laughs> yeah, no. It's, it's crazy because Apple jumped in this week with uh, they're putting in, I think, $2.5 billion dollars. Mm -hmm. On top of Facebook's billion dollars and Microsoft's five hundred million dollars, but Microsoft is uh, theirs is for Seattle, not California. Well, and it should be pointed out that Apple's isn't for all of California; it's purely for Northern California. Yeah, and I yeah. believe Facebook's is as well, isn't it? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. nothing down so, here. Yeah, <laughs> I mean we've got our own crap going on down <laughs> here, but we like to spread out down here. They just don't have as much land as we do. True. Uh, so the the interesting thing about the article is it's like okay, well. We want to build places for people to live, but the people who live in these places already don't want us to. <laughs> hey, I'm here, guys. Don't knock down my house. Yeah. This well, is a I very mean, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy proposition. It really is. We got to build a roadway here. Sorry about yeah. your planet. Yeah. So right now, so, sorry about your shopping mall because they knocked down the Valco shopping mall and they were going to put up 2,400 apartments on the site. And of course, people in the neighborhood said no. We, we don't, don't want like to get all plan. of our stuff from Amazon. We would like to go to the mall. We would have liked to have gone to the mall, but 2,400 apartments means that's a lot more people. That's a lot more traffic. And are you going to help build the infrastructure and the roads to Everybody's just going to take that? birds. It's fine. That's right. Birds everywhere. <laughs> birds a word. It doesn't snow up there. You can ride birds year round. Oh, God. So it's it's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, this is it's it's a nice gesture. I like that mm -hmm. they're doing it. It's not going to solve the problem, but you know what? Sometimes you don't need to solve the entire problem. Sometimes no. you need to make a dent in it, I which is tell fine. You, Jason, when we started doing this podcast six years ago, I had in no 
stretch of any imagination would have thought that we'd spend so much time talking about city planning and the need for it. That's kind of true, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> we started off figuring out how to why people are making millions selling boner pills. <laughs> yeah, and now we're going, you can't just do this to a city without planning. I know. I'm I'm with the the HOAs on this one. What? <laughs> Who are you? What has happened to you? <laughs> Next week on Grumpy Old Real Estate Developers. In the news. And speaking of our new show title, <laughs> let's talk about Airbnb. They've suffered a defeat in Jersey City. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. Apparently, Jersey City had 3,000 Airbnb listings. That seems like a lot. That's quite a lot. That's yeah, quite well, a lot. Yeah. How many people are going to Jersey City? I know. I didn't know it was really a hotbed of tourism out there. What, what, what's going on over there? Take the wife and kids and we're going to Jersey City. Well, it's like you take the wife and kids and you come back with just the kids because that's the best place to bury your wife because we know <laughs> New Jersey is just, it's just the world's largest graveyard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where she went. She went out to go get a scone and then that's the last time I saw her. What you going to do? Me and the kids, we're going back to Florida. Bye. So. <laughs> that's your New Jersey? Okay. That's uh, that's that's my my visiting Jersey guy, I guess. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, you got to work on that one a bit. <laughs> oh man, patreoncom slash GOG so I can go take voice lessons. Appreciate it. So it's it's good. People are standing up to these guys. Will it matter? Who knows? Probably not. But- I mean, the problem with taking like a, a a show off is I don't even remember. Did we talk about the huge scam that was running on Airbnb on our last show, or did that happen? Yes, we did. In between yes, our did. show. Okay, good. Okay. Never no, mind. we did talk about that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, at least, at least in my my brain. We in my did. brain, we definitely did because I talked about it with everybody else. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about these things. I read them and I don't know if they go in the show notes or I just read them and they go away. Because well, as soon as we're done with the show, we both promptly forget everything we just said. Oh yeah, that's that's the my way. My wife it works. comes home and goes, "How's your show? What'd you talk about?" I'm like, "No idea. Can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> no idea." So good, good on Jersey City for sticking up for themselves. Right. It's, it's basically what they're trying to do is just get out these, you know, people who own big buildings and trying to just sell them out on Airbnb. Right. So Uber is entering the ads business. Oh, joy. Because, you know, every other business isn't doing so well. So they're going to start send, selling ads inside of their, their Eats app. I just kind of assumed that they already did that. That I guess not were paying for preferential placement. Apparently not. Hmm. Apparently not. All right. And and here's the thing. I thought uh, Uber had consolidated all their apps into the Uber app. But I uh, guess not. Or, uh, I guess not. Yeah, I thought there was just an eat section in the Uber app now, but I guess I was wrong. No, actually, you're wrong. I used it the other day. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> Answers that question. So, uh, yeah, they're just going to start selling ads in there, which, you know, I is that a problem? I honestly don't see that as a problem. I, 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 again, like I said, I assume that that's what they were already doing, and I assume that's what's happening in in all the meal delivery apps. Yeah, I, I say it happens on Yelp. I mean, we kind of know that this is going on. Duh. <laughs> that's the only way Yelp stays in business is strong arming people to buy ads. Yes. We know that from mm-hmm. from the court documents. Anyway, yeah, I don't use Uber Eats, so I haven't checked it out yet, but. Um, yeah, I when I first saw this, I you know the thing that got me was I'm like, oh, are they going to start putting ads in Ubers for Uber Eats? That's what I thought when I saw the headline as well. I was like, so you get in an Uber now, and somebody's got an ad panel like on the back of all the taxi seats these days. That's exactly what I thought too, but apparently not. They must not have thought of it yet, because of course they should be doing that because <laughs> they don't yeah. make any money. 
Yeah, because, it, of course, the subtitle of this article, thank you, TechCrunch, for the clickbaitiness, it says a new revenue stream, it won't split with drivers. Well, honestly, Why this is it? a revenue stream <laughs> that they shouldn't split with drivers. The yes. drivers are doing fuck all for this this revenue stream. Yeah. So, yeah, they file that under, duh. <laughs> now, this one I love. We haven't talked about Bitcoin and crypto in a while. That's because I've been bit burned. Bit burned. Oh, do you still have your account? I do. I do. How how bad is it? Oh, it's let's see. What did I start with? Sixty bucks. I'm I'm sitting at like twenty. Okay. Well, just go go long on I Bitcoin. Am. I, Maybe I'm, it'll come. I'm back. going long on Bitcoin. <laughs> well, it turns out that uh, all of that, uh, all of those price fluctuations, yep. may have actually been the Winklevi. No, no, no. There's a uh, uh, there's a, a company called Bitfinex. Mm-hmm. They were the largest cryptocurrency exchange way back when in uh, like 2017, 2018. Right. And they were basically some one account there was using Bitfinex and another cryptocurrency to manipulate the Bitcoin market. Are you telling me that an unregulated currency can be manipulated? Brian, I believe that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. I've got the vapors. <laughs> I do declare. <laughs> I do believe I said that when we were talking about crypto back in the day because I knew people that were in cahoots with cabals of people who were, you know, yeah. putting their finger on the scale in the market. They yes. were like, okay, we're all going to buy this. It's Joe's turn to sell, you know, so everybody come here. And they would just do cycles of people buying and selling, it pump and dump, you know? Yep, pump and, and dump. And there's and nothing was, anybody can do about it because it's not regulated. It's, there's nothing illegal about it. I know, and Brian, people yell at you because you talk about regulation. I, I wonder know. how many. I wonder how many of those people are Bitcoin investors. I don't know. <laughs> so it's uh, you know we talked about it on the show. I called them out for doing it, but now we have a little bit more proof because this comes from the Wall Street Journal, so it must be true. It must be true. It's it on must paper. Be true. Yeah. So uh, it's it's a good article to read if you're thinking about getting into crypto because still unregulated. If you're listening and- to the show and you're still thinking about getting into crypto, you're not listening to this show. Go back and start at episode one before before we change the feed so you can get all the episodes and not bankrupt us. So we, all we have left is our Bitcoin. Appreciate that. But yes, we talked about all of this stuff forever. And uh turns out we were right again. Okay. And I found this article over at Vanity Fair just going on with uh, the Bitcoin and crypto news. It's called The Big Bitcoin Heist. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard of this? It's a it was a, uh, a, a basically an Ocean's Eleven type of thievery robbery going on in iceland yes i actually have heard about this somebody actually i heard about it in the context of somebody wanted to actually make a movie out of it that's a little silly Mm. (laughs) yeah it's not that exciting after reading the article i'm like that's fun it was a fun story it was good for an article not a movie definitely not a movie Considering that one of the big break-ins was because somebody left a window open and a ladder next door. It, they climbed the ladder, went in and stole the... Not as they, exciting as Tom Cruise really, coming you know, down the ceiling with a little cable, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, them tunneling under <laughs> Vegas to create an earthquake and things like that. No, guy found a ladder next to an open window. Not Clooney-worthy. <laughs> I'm definitely going to say that is a not Clooney-worthy heist. But it is a great article. It's linked in the show notes. I highly recommend you checking it out. And... Since we were a little short, I went over and found this one at the New York Times. Sandra Bullock and Ellen DeGeneres sue pop-up websites over misleading mm-hmm. ads. Now, I, I'm happy that they're doing this because the long and the short of it is people are using their likenesses and fake quotes to sell stuff. 
Yeah, here, here, here's a pro tip for all you semi-celebrities and real celebrities out there. Never let anybody take a picture of you holding up a blank piece of paper. Yes, that's true, too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it's, it's, you know, it's mind-bogglingly evil what these guys do, because it's all around affiliate marketing, and it, they're playing whack-a-mole trying yeah. to find these people, because, like, you know, somebody will spin one up, you get the money, move on, boom, pump, not, not pump and dump, but they'll just, like, spin yeah. up an affiliate account. Get a couple checks, Look, move tail on. Tail is old as time. Thing. This has been happening in the music industry with yeah. you know unauthorized merchandise forever, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. yeah, it is. It is a thing, and it's funny. I see these ads like every time I'm scrolling through Instagram, and there's one of Keanu Reeves holding up basically different pro mm-hmm. animal T-shirts, and I'm like, I don't think that's real because I know why I don't think it's real because when the first one came out, I'm like. Oh, that's pretty cool because he was holding up this cartoon John Wick T-shirt that says, be kind to animals or I'll kill you. And I'm like, that's a great shirt. I'm going to buy that shirt. Then next week, I saw him holding up a different shirt, but the picture was exactly the same. And I'm like, and then the next week me. he was holding up a shirt that said, <laughs> buy Bitcoin. And then I saw I, I like kept trying to find the company, but the company name right. changed. But the, the ad would remain the same and the right. website would change. So I was like, hmm, crazy. So now I, when I see him, I mark him as fraud and they get, they get taken down. But it's uh, one of those things where there was one point where I was going to try and get a hold of Keanu and say, hey, man, is, are you promoting this thing? Because you're all over Instagram with this. And then I saw another one. Wesley Snipes, was, they, had, they, they basically uh, deep faked Wesley Snipes into the same pose with the same thing. And just no, like, that, that's actually Wesley Snipes. He's got a big tax thing to pay off. <laughs> He's really, he's really doing those. Yeah. By the way, he was great in that new Eddie Murphy on Netflix. Man, he was good. It's nice to see him back on the screen. But yeah, I'm glad that uh, the celebs are stack, like you know standing up to these guys. It's yeah, it, it's an insurmountable problem and will never go away. But uh, at least they're trying. Today's episode is sponsored by Private Internet Access, America's number one virtual private network, also known as a VPN. Even if you use incognito mode, your internet service provider is storing your browsing data and many times even selling it. But Private Internet Access, or PIA, can help. PIA encrypts and reroutes your internet traffic through one of its own servers, hiding your data from your internet service provider or network admin. And with servers in over 75 countries, you can get unrestricted access to geoblock content around the world. PIA comes with an easy-to-use app and browser extensions for all devices, a rock-solid privacy policy, open source security, advanced customization settings, and it was just ranked the fastest VPN in the world by PCMag. If you sign up with PIA right now, you can take advantage of a special deal only for GOG listeners. By using our link, gog.show slash VPN, you can get complete digital privacy for less than $2 a month and four extra months for free, which means only $1.98 a month and up to 83% off. That's so much more inexpensive than virtually every other VPN on the market. And if you get it right now, you can take PIA's 30-day risk-free challenge. You can try it out for 30 days and see if you like it. If not, just return it for a full refund. So go to GOG.show slash VPN and try out the best VPN on the planet completely risk-free. That's GOG.show slash VPN. Security? Ha! 
We're joined again this week by Dave Bittner. Dave is the host of the CyberWire podcast. Dave is also the co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, as well as the co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy, as well as surveillance and privacy. How many shows am I missing there, Dave? <laughs> it's almost getting to the point where I'm co-host of more shows than I'm not. So <laughs> I have to say, uh, I just recently uh, <laughs> caught up with all your episodes of Caveat, and it is uh, by far the best show of yours besides this one. Oh, well, thank you very much. I really much. enjoyed it. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. <laughs> Joe, Joe Kerrigan. Sorry, Joe. Happy to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> Things Joe hates, grumpy old right. geeks. Right. Right. I enjoy right. hacking humans as well, but I just have a more uh, more interest personally in, in, the pot, in the topics that you discuss on Caveat. So. I see. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I wanted to kick off uh, this week with some Apple Watch follow-up. Uh, my lovely bride went out and bought me an Apple Watch. All right. So I'm wearing it right now. Um, I have to say I like it. It's cool. Uh, it is convenient. It is fun. Uh, hasn't really rocked my world, I guess, as much as I hoped it would. It is not life-changing. I felt the same thing when I got it. I was wondering, yeah. you know, would it be like when I got my iPhone, which was right. life-changing. Right. Yeah. Here's right. what it is, guys. It's neat. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's a good good description of it. So I wanted to check in with you guys to see if there was any sort of killer app or function or anything that I was missing out on that you wish you'd known about when you first got yours. Doubt it. Not really. No. No, no. (laughs) Not really. I I enjoy all the exercise features. I I like to be able to control my audio uh, from my my wrist. It's great to set your notifications. appropriately across your devices so you can leave your phone in your pocket and uh important things will ding you on your on your wrist and you're not checking your phone all the time um other than that no (laughs) yeah all right fair enough the one the one app that you have to get though that i do recommend is just press record okay that one's really good because that way you can do a voice memo just real quick by Mm -hmm. one 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 button push talking to your watch and then it'll get synced to your phone and your icloud account and you can pull it down later Hmm. Oh, you right. also live in a place that actually has weather, so you might want to check out the Dark Sky app. Yeah, yeah. And, you, and you don't live, well, you're pretty close to the coast, I guess, but not not right on the coast like Brian, because Brian's like, it's raining, and it doesn't say it's raining yet. I'm like, because there's nobody in front of you to tell them it's raining. Dark you're Sky should put line. a platform out in the Pacific. What is wrong with them? Mm-hmm. Right mm-hmm. in front of your house, because yes. the Pacific is so small <laughs> that they only have to put one in your, by your house. Some kind of buoy out there. I yeah. did pay for the app. You'd think they'd provide support. Mm. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, fair enough. I will definitely check out uh, those apps. So. Okay, cool. We've got a little listener uh, feedback link here from Tim Woodruff. He says, did you guys hear about this thing with the heroes at Coal Fire Sis? And he says, astonishing. And this is the Coal Fire CEO that says the Dallas County Courthouse doors were unlocked when his guys went in to go do their penetration test. But they locked the doors and then re-unlocked them (laughs) with the way that a criminal would do. And then they waited around for the guys to show up after they purposefully tripped the alarm And talk to the deputies, and they were going to go about their merry way, and then the sheriff shows up and says, put these boys into hoose cow. (laughs) And that's where our story actually begins. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Actually, uh, Joe Kerrigan, uh, your uh, third favorite uh, CyberWire (laughs) podcast host behind (laughs) me and Ben Yellen, um, and I did a segment on this on the CyberWire about a week ago. So I recommend you go check that out, because as you might imagine, Joe has some strong feelings about this. (laughs) 
and he 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 and I align in our feelings on this. That it seems as though the coal fire folks did everything right, and everything was great until the local sheriff showed up and decided to turn it into a a pissing match that these two coal fire guys got caught in the middle of. How funny that yep. just earlier in the show, Jason was espousing the the virtues of the local sheriff's Barney Fife. <laughs> yeah, I think this guy's more Buford T. Justice than Barney Fife. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's, yeah, all right. I could see that. I could see that. Uh, the whole thing is a shame. Like the uh, the CEO from Coal Fire said, this is a situation where people just need to use common sense here. You know, it, there was no, there's no crime. Right. Um, so we'll see how it plays out, but it's... It's ridiculous, and, and it has uh, certainly folks who are doing pen testing on notice to watch how this one plays out. Yeah. Are these guys still in jail? I don't think so. I don't think. Okay. I was just wondering. The, the charges got dropped to a misdemeanor, so I suspect they're out. I don't know how long they were out. I don't know how long they were in at all, but uh, I'm sure they're Longer than now. they should have been. Yeah. Right. Yeah, they shouldn't have been in at all. Yeah, it's, it's, it's absurd. So I'm interested in your thoughts on this story, the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, which is a federal panel that reviews foreign acquisitions of American firms on national security grounds, is looking into TikTok right now. They're concerned about the growing influence in the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, they're speaking anonymously right now because the investigation is confidential, but one of the people said the American government had evidence that the app is sending data back to China. So TikTok was, okay, it started off as a U.S. company called Musical.ly which uh, was an app popular with teenagers to make uh, homemade karaoke videos that I actually went to the launch party for hmm. a long time ago. They were purchased by ByteDance, which is a seven-year-old company in Beijing. And uh, they basically, at the time, said, we'll keep it separate. Don't you worry. We won't make this part of our family of Chinese apps. And then less than a year later, they basically did that and rebranded it as TikTok, which is one of the world's fastest growing apps and a global cultural phenomena if you are younger than us. Right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so U.S. government officials are particularly alarmed by the implication of China's 2017 national intelligence law, which contains sweeping language that requires companies to comply with intelligence gathering operations if asked. Basically, they're saying, well, we haven't asked, and that's only for local stuff and blah, blah, blah. And don't you, mm -hmm. don't you worry. Don't you worry. The interesting thing about this is TikTok is basically only used in the West. Uh, it's not really used in mainland China at all because they have a different, very similar service there called Douyin that all the Chinese people actually use. So we've got an app. It's owned by a Chinese company. It's massively popular here. There are There is some proof that their servers where all the data is held is not going to China at all. But is the company beholden to the 2017 China rule? And is that, do we have, do we have a reason to be worried here? I think so. I, I think it's. I think it's worth. I think we have a reason to investigate this. Yeah. Um, the the whole thing about the Chinese being able to uh, make their companies conform to their rules that is true. That is the case. So to be fair, China's we saying, do that as well here. That's Not true. Not quite as draconian, but we do. Right. That's yeah. true. Um, I um, so. This whole thing with with China and the company saying, "Oh, don't worry, we we'd never do that." Um, no, that, that's that's yeah. not how it works. Right. Um, I find this similar to the resistance that we're showing to having um, equipment from Huawei and ZTE used to for our five G build out. Um, yeah. Perhaps this is a little less serious than that because that's 
national infrastructure. Not a bunch of videos of kids. Yeah. Right. Right. But it, you know, the kids have this app all over the place. Anybody who has kids could possibly have their data exfiltrated. Right. This is the world we live in these days. So do we need to be worried about it? Mm, Maybe not yet. Should we be concerned? I think that's reasonable. Should we? What data are we talking about, though? I mean, it's a thing where kids make videos that they post publicly online. Which yeah. what what stuff are we so worried about here that might be getting exfilled? Uh, well, you can't well, video anything. What if what if a kid videos his his father, who's a government employee, in his office without his knowledge and puts it out there? Right. What if? But the, then the... It, I mean, that doesn't mean it's a. It, that's just a. That's an idiot problem. That's not a. Because if he's already posting it publicly. Then, well, Jason, what, I hate to point it out I, to you. The vast majority of the world is dealing with idiot problems. I know that. That's <laughs> what, but I, I'm just wondering if this is an idiot problem too, because it's like, what data are we so worried about from this app? I know the grinder thing was a problem because that is very sensitive information, but this is an app where people are taking videos and then posting them. So oh. I, don't, I think that they're already letting the horses out of the barn before China can even care about it. But what if the app is keeping an eye on your location data? and Which it assuredly it sees, is. Which it assuredly is. And if it sees that you wander into some interesting location, and a location that the Chinese might be interested in, uh, it starts recording behind the scenes and sends yeah. the recording back. I suppose okay, that, I mean, that's the kind of thing that they're worried about. And I think the other the other thought I had in reading this story is maybe do you th- do you think there should be restrictions on companies being able to sell to foreign companies? If you're a US company that's developed this technology or whatever, shouldn't shouldn't we be looking into this pre-sale, not post-sale? Well, there are global export rules. I mean, you you can't right. there, there's plenty of that going on. Um, so I think those, those sort of regulations exist and yeah, anybody doing these sorts of things have to operate within those regulations and, you know, they govern things like encryption and, you know, stuff like that. So I think, yeah, people are looking at that. I think we've got bigger problems here at home because we've got two stories in the news this week. We're going to skip one of them. The, the Twitter story with the, the two employees selling data to Saudi Arabia, Mm -hmm. because that one, that that that's an idiot problem. That's yeah. Well, that's I don't know. That's more of a spy versus spy problem there, too. But uh, I'm waiting for that one to flush out a little bit more before we get into that. This one is Trend Micro employees sold criminals data that fueled targeted scams. Mm -hmm. A guy at Trend Microsystems basically went in and got information for about one hundred and twenty thousand people, which is about one percent of Trend Micro's customers Mm -hmm. and was selling it off to uh, people that were then going in and calling these people and doing scams on them. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so fortunately, he was he was let go. He's gone. And the, the in law enforcement is investigating. They they didn't out the person and they came came forward with this. I you know, this kind of thing, I think, happens a lot. Oh, are you kidding me? Do you, how you know how much of this data is just out there? Like I have hard drives full, full of, of different, uh, you know, surveys and and mailing list signups and and you know just general demographics or signing up for a contest. So you have to give us all this information from from just music artists. And I've just got them sitting on drives. It's worth that's worth money. Who knew? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I got to get right. me some on the not so dark web. Exactly. Yeah. So 
I mean, this sort of insider threat problem is is a big deal, and it's something that a lot of companies are focused on. The thing that I'm hearing about more and more is that companies are installing systems that basically track your behavior. Yeah. Um, and they also provision your permission to have access to both areas and things within your network as needed. And as soon as you don't need that access anymore, the access goes away because we're trying a lot to of times, deal with yeah, the, the God mode problem. Well, and a lot of times what happens is that access is granted to something for a very good reason, but then it's no longer revoked. So yeah. over time, people build up more and more access to more and more things that they don't really need. Yeah. It's kind of the Snowden problem. Yeah. It's kind of how he got there. I mean, he got access to things and nobody was paying attention and just kept getting more access and more access. But at then, least yeah. we know there are no aliens now. Well, but That's also it, it, <laughs> the other thing that this stuff keeps an eye on is just behavior. Like, why is this person here in the middle of the night? Why are they digging files? around in this database? Yeah. Yeah. But they're copying files to an external device or sending files out through email and you know you can you can combine a number of things that any one of them on their own might not be mysterious but when you combine them all together uh it it sets off a flag that says you know this employee may need a conversation right yeah for established com companies that have been around for a while they can afford to put these systems in place they i think they they're must-haves nowadays mm -hmm. you know you got to treat this stuff like gold or, or what do we talk about before you got to treat it like uranium and you want to get it as far away from you as possible. <laughs> That's <laughs> but, right. That's but let right. the people that are going to have access to it make sure they need access and when it's done, revoke it. It's like, okay, George is coming in on Saturdays and he's he needs to access the user database. Well, George needs a hall pass from his supervisor to do that. He just can't come into work one day and say, hey, I'm going to keep working on this stuff. You need to have access to it granted by someone who is you know authorized to give you access, not just because you can. If it's like, you know, during off hours or things like that, you know, right. using that as an example. Right. But, and at the very least, the supervisor should be notified that, yeah, uh, you know, even if this person has legitimate reasons to have access to that, if they're doing it in odd ways or odd times or unusual compared to what they've done in the past, that should be, that should trigger an alert. Mm -hmm. I think we need a new uh, chief tomfoolery officer. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody who just sits there and watches the network and goes... Hmm. Hi. Seems suspicious. He might be up to some tomfoolery. I am right. making that as a business card tonight. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Remember, nothing is foolproof to a talented fool. <laughs> On this next one, our good friend Cashmere Hill is back at the, the New York Times. And amazingly, for once, not writing about Facebook. <laughs> so this is an interesting one. She says, I got access to my secret consumer score. Now you can get yours, too. And this is an article about these shadow companies who are basically building profiles on everybody and anyone everywhere that's been online and kind of giving you a score based on your either how nice you are or your dickitude. <laughs> and then companies can come in and say, is this person an a-hole? Are they trustworthy? Can we trust them with our, you know, our... Uh, Airbnb overnight or things like that. Can Re can we rent them a scooter? Remember when we were first discussing the Chinese social score and I said the only yes. difference between <laughs> them and us is the government does it there and we have private companies do it here. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, this is this is now come to pass as being, you know, out in the public thanks to good old Kashmir. Mm -hmm. And the reason now though that this is in the news is you can go in and actually request your reports. 
She got her report back, and it was 400 pages long, which is insane. <laughs> that is insane. Yeah, and the reason that people can do this now are thanks to the, our good old friends in Europe with GDPR and, surprisingly, the state of California. About the only thing going right here right now. <laughs> well, California leads the way when it comes to these sorts of things. And yeah, uh, I can't have a plastic bag anymore. I got to pay for paper bags. Yeah, yeah. yeah can't yeah. smoke in a bar. All yeah. the fun stuff. Yeah, well, but you have uh, CCPA. So <laughs> um, the thing I think about with this, too, is could this change the equation of whether these sorts of companies can operate profitably? In other words, if they find themselves under a crush of requests for people to either remove their data or provide their data, mm-hmm. does that change the business equation for them? And I would, I hope it does. Yes, certainly. Because well, right now they just ignore them. Right. We should yeah. find out. Everybody that's listening right now, go start <laughs> requesting your, your data. The link will be in the show notes on how to get in touch with these people. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, get your data and maybe ask them to delete it if it's too too egregious. And the thing about these companies is they're getting data from the companies that hire them too. So they're just any new client that comes on. It's like, oh, we got Airbnb. Oh, great. Let's get all of their data and put it into our scoring algorithms. Let's get, you know, Yelp and all these other other companies. And they're just amassing these databases now that are just so massive and have stuff that goes back so far. And it's ridiculous. It's like, oh, uh, what if I let somebody use my computer one time and they made some really stupid comment? Now it's in my, my you know, my public record forever. This is, remember in high school where they're like, this is going to be on your record forever. And you're like, screw you. I graduate in two weeks. My record doesn't count anymore. I'm going to get a job, you asshole. Well, it turns out they were right. It's back in with a vengeance. It just never goes away. KIT. I wonder what's going to happen when one of these records gets released and it's for a national political candidate. Yeah, that, you've, you've mentioned that scenario a couple times on when we've been t- discussing this sort of stuff. Is that what it's going to take to get the rules changed? Right. Yeah. If suddenly we can, we know every time that, uh, I don't know, Elizabeth Warren ordered takeout, is that going to gather people's attention? Other, uh, will the other politicians say, oh, wait a minute, this, we should pay attention to this now. <laughs> or every time Bernie Sanders orders his depends. So, could be, could be. Could be. That's yeah. what I'm saying. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, you're talking about are these companies going to be profitable if we keep asking for data? I would like a, a world where these companies can't exist, but just regulate that's ever going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, these people are all they're doing is they're just hoovering up all this data and just reselling it, repackaging it with an algorithm on top that tells people how good you are, which is just, and they don't they don't factor in people grow over time. People are different people from day to day, week to week, year to year, as they have experiences in this world. Yes, but their so. argument would be, we're just providing you with this information. You make the you make the decisions you want to make from it. I'm pretty sure that they're, they're putting a score on your behavior. Mm-hmm. That's what these companies are getting back. It's not just, here's 800 pages of Brian and him at Finn right. McCool's and <laughs> all that. It's like, Brian is a drunk because he goes and drinks and parties every night. You know, up until he had a kid, we're not going to factor in the kid. He was a drunk. Oh, once a drunk, always a drunk. You know, <laughs> I wonder how these companies are liable for um, including things that would be in protected categories, which are, you know, from uh, um, what do you call it? HR right. points of view. 
there are categories that you're not allowed to ask about. You're not allowed to make job decisions about protected categories. And I wonder how much does that sort of information either overtly leak into these things and and is used for these decision makings or these ratings or sort of unintentionally they end up in there and become part of it as well. Could if someone dug in here and found that your rating was was affected by that, would they be in trouble for that as well? I don't know. I know what I am going to do is I'm going to I'm going to start writing into these guys and getting my data. It's I, complicated. I, I looked too. into it. You've got to scan driver's licenses for some of them and all sorts of stuff. Ooh, mm. God forbid I have to open my <laughs> scanning app and reach three feet away and put my driver's license on it. My point uh, being, you're giving an even greater bit of information to a company that you don't already trust with your information. The point is they already have it. They're checking <laughs> the fact that you have it. Mm. They already know who you are. They're just they're trying to prove that you are you. Hey, look, anytime that Jason's willing to take one for the team, I'm behind that. <laughs> we All will right. wait for the Jason report. <laughs> That's right. Yes. That's right. It'd be interesting to see if we show up on his report. Oh. For good or for bad, right? <laughs> How could it be good? <laughs> well, we could bring him up. Well, I mean, you could say, you know, despite everything he did, he hangs out with really excellent people. <laughs> well, excellent person. I, I don't know, Brian. I don't know if Brian will fit in that category. I know his past. I'm sure I have an excellent right. score. I was quite privacy conscious even back then. <laughs> Well, speaking of privacy consciousness, Ring watched your kids trick-or-treat and then bragged about it. This comes from Mashable. Boy, oh boy, did the PR person uh, screw up here. Yep, stepped on the proverbial dick, as (laughs) it were. Uh, They're putting out all these quote-unquote fun facts about which cities had more trick-or-treaters, how many kids came to the door, and all this stuff. Uh, And that's fine. Okay, how many times the doorbell was ringed on Halloween? That's fine. Uh, What gets me is... As soon as you share your video to, say, the Neighbors app, Amazon then has carte blanche to do with it whatever they want, including using it for PR purposes, as dumb as even these are. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm just like, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, okay, well, I'm giving it to the Neighbors app, not thinking that there's some Yahoo over there trying to put together a blog post. And then, oh, there's my front porch. What the hell? <laughs> does this does this bug you guys at all? Yeah, yeah, it does. This is it precisely does, why I, I will never have a ring. That they don't have to ask. Yep. To use my <laughs> the footage footage from my front door in their commercial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, you do have to take the step of sharing it somewhere on their in their ecosystem. Right. Once you mm-hmm. do that, once you do that share step, then it becomes fair game for them to use it however they want. I just have a whole problem with this whole concept, not just the sharing thing. The fact that they actually thought that showing video of trick-or-treating kids, real trick-or-treating kids, was a good PR move. Beyond if, creepy if they to have, me. Yeah, if they have masks, they're technically unidentifiable, but that's a that's a I think a gray area. Well, not every costume involves a mask either. I think if you right, take this footage and you put the it's... theme song from Halloween over it, you'll get a better idea of how it makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, well uh, yeah, and what if you put, um, you know, creepy porn music under it? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I mean, cow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and aren't there, I mean, there are particular laws dealing with minors. So there's that. Yeah. It's, uh, it's all a bit odd. Uh, yeah. It's this yeah. whole thing that we, we seem to be in these days where th- these tech companies, they feel like because they can that 
they should or and they will yes. and they will <laughs> yes uh, whether or not it's the right thing to do yeah socially acceptable or even moral yeah when it comes to ring i'm about half a inch away from just pulling them all out back to I them just, chinese cameras <laughs> that's right <laughs> telling you telling you chinese never made a blog post of anybody near my house that's fine <laughs> but just to go even further uh of course ring again uh they pushed out a security fix because apparently there was a very easy way for people to get your in your home wi-fi password because they were bouncing it around internally through the system from the camera to your app in plain text plain over text. http crazy crazy what year is this plain text yep Mm-hmm. <laughs> no encryption from the camera to the app whatsoever. No, no, no key handshakes. No, nothing. Just here you go. It's like, come on, guys. Come on. This is not that bad. And of course, uh, there was a company called Bitdefender that found this out and walked through the entire process of how it's done. Now they say, of course, Ring has pushed out the security fix. So everybody's fine now. Mm. Until they find so. the next thing. Until they find the next thing. But yeah, well, come yeah. Also interesting that, that Ring can push out a security fix like this automatically. Yeah. Like I, I don't know if, I don't have one of the, Jace, actually you have these. So is there a way to disable automatic updates or are you stuck with them? Absolutely none. Mm-hmm. I found Not out. Not a fan I, of I that went, at all. Not a fan of I that looked at all. At, I looked into it. That's why I'm telling you I'm a half an inch away from pulling these things from the house. Yep. Um, yeah, there's nothing about that. Like with my Eero, I can, you know, it, it updates and it tells me when it's updated and it tells me what it's updated. Mm-hmm. It's very transparent about the update process. I get a I get a notification saying, hey, your your Eero system has been updated. Here's some new stuff that we put into it. Um, Ring? No, not really. I can't even get the thing to stay on long enough to actually capture the bad guys, let alone actually tell me when they're, you know, pushing software updates to it. Come on. Yeah. I, I can't help thinking, what if it automatically updated itself and in doing so bricked itself mm-hmm. and then something bad happened? Like has happened to anybody that's ever owned a Windows PC set to auto update? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right before that important presentation. <laughs> right, 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 right. Oh, fun times. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, I, I, I'm really like getting getting to the edge with these guys. Because it, for somebody it's not so that is as security conscious as you, Jason, I, I feel like it's been insane that you've kept them as long as you have. Here's the thing. I, I had hope. <laughs> I told you I was trying to be more of an optimistic geek this year, not such a pessimistic geek. But these guys have proven me wrong every step of the freaking way. Yeah. And now that they're taking you know people's home videos, not asking permission to them and using them in their you know their promotion and their marketing, even the cop stuff I was okay with because like in, in the grand scheme of thing that actually can you know contribute to a greater good. This does not. There's nothing about making a post about how many kids go out trick or treating and using people's footage that is good for anything. This just makes me feel fucking violated, as it should. So. Who do we think in the tech world is there? Are there any companies that we feel are doing it right these days? Uh, Apple's as close as we get. Microsoft is doing all right, but they don't make the cameras. But they don't make know? cameras. I mean, yeah. In a, yeah, in a security in a security system world, I don't know. That's why I'm just like maybe just go back to build your own like the like we did in the old days. Go to gog.com/slash/simplysafe. No, they're not a sponsor. <laughs> Wait, no, no, they don't. They don't sponsor us. <laughs> Screw those guys. 
No, I don't know. I honestly don't know. I would I would like to find some good. I think you got to roll your own camera man. manufacturers. You got to get that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Get that get that we software we were that. talking about a couple of weeks back and and roll your own. Yeah, yeah. It's the hardware part that's the hard yeah. the problem. You know, finding good hardware that's just easy to check, open source hardware for security cameras. I don't think it exists. If I'm wrong, please send me an email. Jason at grumpyoldgeeks.com. If only Radio yeah. Shack was still around. If only. Oh, miss those guys. <laughs> Did I ever tell you I, I worked at Radio Shack when I was in college? No, but it, somehow I'm not surprised. <laughs> That's a story for another day. Let's talk about the security implications of them demanding you to have your phone number every time you try oh, to buy a damn please. transistor. I have so many stories. <laughs> Again, that's a story for another day. But uh, yeah, good times, good times. All right, guys. Great talking to you, and right. I will talk to you next time. Excellent. Another uplifting security ha is in the can. Yes, indeed. Ups and doodads. Adobe Photoshop has arrived on the iPad finally. Sweet. Now I can sit down at my local and do all my Keanu Reeves Instagram pages. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm telling you. So I, of course, went and checked it out and downloaded it. And the first thing that pops up is you can get a 30-day free trial. And after that, it's $9.99 a month. Wait, it's not part of the Adobe Creative Cloud subscription that you and I have? Yes, it is. Oh, thank, thank God. God. <laughs> <laughs> but for most surprised. people, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I have two Adobe accounts, and the first time I, I signed in with the wrong one, the one that I didn't actually buy my subscription on, and they're like, hey, thanks for signing in, nine ninety nine a month. <laughs> and I'm like, well, shit, let me try the other one. And then as soon as I logged in with that one, it's like, here you go. Thanks for, you know, thanks for activating. Right. So I pulled in a couple images, started playing around with it, and it's not super intuitive, but it is. it does have layers. It's got a lot of the stuff that it should have. does not really have filters yet. There's a lot that it, it was left out in the launch. Right. Um, I'm just like, okay, I just want to put a vignette on this. How do I put a vignette on this? And nope, could not find a vignette after clicking on everything. You know what it is really nice for, though? I'll give it that. You, um, If you're using like the, uh, the healing tool... Yes, I use that a lot. It's really nice to be able to just pinch and zoom in and use the Apple Pencil with the healing tool mm, yeah. to or the Band-Aid tool to just go around and find all the little pieces and get all that stuff done instead of sitting there with the mouse and keyboard and everything. Way nicer. So I'm thinking if you're using, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. If you have Sidecar on your Mac with Catalina, yep, you can do go. that anyway. <laughs> so, oh, well, let's skip the, skip the uh, Photoshop for iPad, but... It, it it's a nice first entry. I can't wait to see how it how it really comes along over time. Excellent. So I might be doing yeah. our, our artwork on that soon. Uh, doubtful. Doubtful. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So I recommend just grabbing it and giving it a shot if you have a an Adobe account that already has Photoshop. Just to try it out. Why not? I'll see if it works on my old creaky just purchased iPad. <laughs> Your brand new shitty <laughs> iPad. <laughs> Media Candy. Netflix has renewed another life for a second season despite lousy reviews, including the lousy reviews from this show. Yeah, well, it was half lousy. You liked it. I, I, I didn't mind it, which is a bit different from um, I, I liked it. I, I'll, I'll watch anything with Katie Sackhoff in it, basically. So, uh, But if you're curious as to how a series as universally panned as Another Life gets a second season while other shows don't, such as the uh, everybody seemed to like Sense8, which I didn't like. So... 
there you go. I didn't like. I didn't really. I couldn't get past the first episode, but I, I was pissed. The OA got canceled. Oh, there you That's go. the one I, I was. Well, the about. answer is it's basically just uh, enough people watched it to justify the green light from Netflix in 2018. Cindy Holland, the streaming giant's vice president of OC or original content, uh, basically told us that the biggest thing that they look at is are they getting enough viewership to justify the cost of the series. They also look at other things like fan communities, how social a title is, etc. But basically, if people watch it, it gets renewed. So just goes to show you, people like shitty stuff sometimes. Yeah, too bad. I'm, a, you know, maybe they've taken the criticism to heart. Maybe the second season will be better. Here's holding out I hope. Certainly, I certainly <laughs> hope so. But since the guy who directed it, wrote it, and is the showrunner, probably not. I don't think he's going to replace himself. Maybe they'll bring in Ronald D. Moore to give it a nice kick. Or get, get Sam Esmail in there to really oh, do it. Christ. Speaking of him, I got to say, I watched uh, Mr. Robot uh, season four, episode five, the, the latest one last week. Is that the silent one? No, it wasn't silent. Well, it was kind of silent, I guess. I didn't even pay attention. Parts of it were silent when they were doing this break in. They did a really cool break in scene. Hmm. Did it involve a ladder and an open window? There was no ladder and open window. No, they did have to. They did actually have to do a lot of running and hiding and getting rid of cameras and stuff like that. But uh, it was beautiful. It was beautifully shot. It had some of the best, you know, cinematography in it I've seen on a TV show in a long time. And it was actually a really good episode. Look, I have to say Lost looked great. Uh, Battlestar Galactica looked great. Like a lot of these people are able to do things that look really good, but they can't stick the fucking landing. Yeah, well, I think I think you know this one missed about two and a half pikes on the rotation on the dive, so <laughs> I don't know how I don't know if they're going to stick the uh, the the yeah the dive it doesn't, or not, doesn't really matter because they they lost me two seasons ago. I mean, once I went, yeah. oh yeah, it's Fight Club, and they don't know what to do with it. I'm I was out. <laughs> yeah, so I'm I'm going to stick stick it to the end. I'm I'm going to at least stick the landing on it. But uh, I have to say, so far. Episode four was a slog to get through. I ended up having to fast forward parts of it because like half of it, they were walking in the woods, just talking to characters that don't exist. I'm like, come on. But uh, yeah, we'll see how it we'll see how it uh, finishes. I will give you a final report when it's done. <laughs> I have to go look at how many episodes there are, because if this is number five and they're going for like 22 or 15, even I'm just like, oh, can we get can we stick it at eight, please? Right. Speaking of shows with eight episodes, the end of the fucking world. Season two is out. Hmm. Did you ever watch season one? Couldn't get into it. Okay. It's kind of like me and uh, whatever that uh, slut show was that you told me to watch on Amazon. Fleabag. That one. Yeah. Yeah. Except, uh, you know, get into that one, one won all the awards and the other one didn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> that just shows that uh, not everybody has taste. Right. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, it's out. I'm halfway through it. I like it so far. It's I, I found the it too thing. dark. I just couldn't get into it for whatever reason. I think maybe having a kid, just watching this kid be miserable was too much for me. I, it's probably timing on that one. Yeah. You probably still haven't even gone back and finished Black Mirror yet, I'm guessing. No, 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 I haven't. I, I'm waiting for a new administration before I go see Black Mirror again. Okay, so 2024, <laughs> yeah, Brian, be, we'll get back into Black time. Mirror. It could be a long time. <laughs> Speaking of politics, Netflix has built a new tool for those of you burned out on politics and Trump. I love this. Seth Meyers just has a new uh, comedy special out. And in the middle of the, you know, the stand up routine, he, he starts talking about politics and Trump and all that. But there is now a skip politics button inside of the stand up. I'm like, genius. Really wish they had this on almost every stand up routine ever for all the different topics it's like okay i don't want to hear about airlines skip airlines you know much like everybody that's listening to our podcast wishes we had that sort of button 
uh, at times. Is it really a new tool, though? This is my question, because didn't isn't this just the exact same technology that they use for the choose your own adventure bunder scamper papper snapper thing that they did? I I don't even know if it's about that. I think this is more like skip intro. It's that's really it. Right. It's like, OK, this is a skip button that goes, you know, 30 seconds ahead or four minutes and 12 seconds ahead. It's not really high tech. Yeah. They're not grabbing you a new clip to go down a different path. This well, is, you know, but it's the same underlying technology. You, you put in a little bit here where if you press a button, it goes to here. It's not exactly a new tool. That's my only point. Well, OK, well, then if you're going to go down that route, then the choose your own adventure thing was not a new tool either because no, the I, skip intro button was out before that. Yes, but yeah. I didn't write a headline saying that that was a new tool. My whole point is that the headline here says that they've built a new tool. Okay. Pedantic much. Okay, moving on. Our what whole show got? is pedantic much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, true that, true that. All right, so I took advantage of my uh, laptop uh, getting burnt out and having to buy a new one to get the free Apple TV Plus uh, subscription, and I watched uh, three episodes now of The Morning Show with uh, Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the acting is phenomenal. Uh, and they are desperately trying to be Aaron Sorkin-esque and failing. Okay, so no story? The story's okay. They're just trying really hard, and the writing isn't just there. The writing's not good enough. And it's it's a good show. Don't get me wrong. I'm enjoying it. But it's just like, I, I maybe I should just watch the newsroom again. Yeah, you could do that. Yeah. You could easily do that. Go back and watch The West Wing for the 8,000th time. <laughs> Steve Carell's pretty fantastic in it um all the acting is great and all the sets are great and it looks good but uh yeah it's just you 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 every time we finish an episode i look at my wife and go ah, they're really trying to be sorkin okay uh have you watched the i know you you said you wouldn't but have you checked out the ron moore show yet nope 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 <laughs> not gonna okay burn me thrice okay. <laughs> <laughs> well you know uh you do have you got a couple more days till the mandalorian so once that's on i'm sure you'll be just fine yes now, uh, I did think I did see somewhere that it's going to be a slow trickle show. I'm happy about that. Uh, there was actually I've, it was one of the news stories that I was going to put in here in Media Candy, but then forgot throughout the week. But uh, yeah, there's been a couple articles coming back that, that people are going away from from the full on binge drops. Um, everybody's starting to move towards slow trickle once a week. I found a couple articles about uh, content overload as well that I forgot to put in here because people are I and myself included. I, I'm at, you know, content overload. Yeah. I sit down to watch TV at night. And I'm like, I don't want to watch any shows. I want to go listen to a book or read a book or literally do nothing versus watch something new. Yeah, there, uh, there's definitely that. I've been doing a lot of more reading than, than watching something new because of content overload. But the other thing which my wife really noticed is when she sits down to watch something, there's too many choices now. There's mm -hmm. way too many choices. And then you have to go and go, well, where is that show? Is that one on Netflix? Is that one on Amazon Prime? Is that one on Disney? Is that on Apple TV Plus? And you're like looking around and then finally you're just like, Jesus, I got to go to bed. I didn't even watch anything. Yeah, you spend an hour and a half trying to find something that you want to watch. Yeah. And then it's like done. I will. Ha I do have to say Jack Ryan season two came out on Amazon and I binged it last weekend and it was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> not, not my thing, but I know a lot of people that like it. Oh, it was so good. It was so good. I love that show. They did a really good job with it. And uh, it had Doug Stamper in it, which always makes me happy. Anytime I, I see I'm Doug sure you Stamper. enjoy his commercials for, for the haircutting places. I have not seen those because I don't watch TV with commercials in them. Oh, they're quite funny. Uh, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll check out YouTube. Or is that on Vimeo? Or is, <laughs> or is it on TikTok? Or is it on... <laughs> Jesus. 
Sometimes headlines don't get any better than this. Apple's former insider trading watchdog indicted for insider trading. Yes, the the former Apple (laughs) lawyer who oversaw the company's insider trading policy has been indicted on insider trading charges. Prosecutors allege Gene Levoff, I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced, traded shares based on his knowledge of Apple's financial results before they were made public, which is the one thing you're not supposed to do if you're doing that job. Yeah. (laughs) In fact, your entire job is not doing that. I think maybe he read the job description wrong. He's like, you're going to be in charge of insider trading. Ooh, I can do that. Excellent. My policy is is I get to do it and the rest of you don't. Perfect. When can I start? Yep. So according to the indictment, he realized a profit of around $227,000 on some trades and avoided losses of about $377,000 on others. They all took place between 2011 and 2016. Sorry, allegedly. Took place between Allegedly. 2011 and 2016. <laughs> he faces a maximum prison sentence of 20 years on each count if convicted. And uh, counts, uh, also carries a maximum fine of $5 million in the wire fraud counts. The higher of $250,000 or double the gains made or, lo- or losses caused. So, well done. Well done, sir. And if you want a fun, long-form read about something that is just as enjoyable as the Fire Festival, and I know we've talked about this guy on uh, More of the Week once a long time ago, but uh, this is the full, like, incredibly crazy story from soup to nuts into current date and time, the unbelievable story of Threaten, Heavy Metal's Fire Festival moment. I will have to check that out. Sounds good. All right. Now, we talked... It was funny. We, we had a mention on... Uh, security ha not too long ago about people copywriting colors and trademarking colors yes well turns out deutsche telecom really likes magenta they really like their magenta okay so (laughs) because it's uh i guess it's t-mobile's color so they have gone after lemonade Mm -hmm. uh have you uh seen lemonade yet lemonade is a good restaurant that is over here on abbott kinney but i'm sure it's something more horrible Oh, no, it's an AI-based, of course, AI-based yes. uh, insurance startup. <laughs> and I've actually looked at them, and I'm probably going to buy insurance through them. So, okay. You trust the AI? Well, I trust their rates. They're pretty good. And the people that I know that have the policies and have actually tried to collect on their policies right. have had nothing but good things to say. It's well, the collection part. Signing up for a policy, anybody could do. Collecting, harder. That's good. Now, call me crazy, but just as a side note here, if you have named your company Lemonade, why are Why you using magenta? magenta? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, you know. I mean, maybe more... if you called yourself really dark pink lemonade. Well, <laughs> hey, pink lemonade is a thing. Yeah. So, I, I mean, here's the thing. You know, moron cuts both ways. <laughs> so, <laughs> doesn't have to be one side or the other. The moron sword is sharp at both ends. Yes, it is. Now, this one actually makes me really, really mad. Mm-hmm. This comes from uh, BuzzFeed News. It says, she stole something while struggling with heroin addiction. Cops turned her into a Facebook meme. Oh, the irony that a story about memes being bad would come from BuzzFeed. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. So, apparently, a lot of law enforcement agencies have figured out that uh, the lulls actually get people to look at their pages and try and track down criminals for them. Mm Mm-hmm. And I do believe a lot of these people are starting to cross the line big time. Are are you saying police departments don't have professional comedians on hand? (laughs) 
Uh, well, they apparently have professional social media engineers on hand. Yeah, everybody does uh, these days. Uh, by the way, yeah. professional social media engineer means you're in college. <laughs> I don't know. It's. I think they may have graduated by now. Mm. Remember, when we started this show, they they were interns mm. and, and going to right. college. Now they are buying their own homes and have children. So okay, fair We've enough. been doing this for a long time, don't forget. So this this one township in Pennsylvania, Wilkes Bar Township, they have uh they've got two thousand residents, right? Okay. Their Facebook following is ninety thousand. <laughs> a little uh, bit overreach there, right? You, you right? Think? <laughs> yeah. Now the problem with this is first up, they're they're posting people's mugshots. Okay. Mm-hmm. They're using them before people even go to trial, which means that okay. What happened to innocent until proven guilty? Right. Problem there. And also, this is going to screw people's lives over, even if they are proven innocent down the line, or even, who cares, even if they did it. The internet is forever. And, well, Facebook might not be, but we'll (laughs) see about that. Uh, It's just, it's really ridiculous that these people are able to get away with this. And the problem to me is also, it just lessens the the gravitas of the industry of law enforcement. I'm sorry, it does. Mm -hmm. It also puts into perspective, okay... If that's what these people are thinking, then how are they how are they putting that mindset into their policing actions? You know, it's right. it, it, this article is worth a read. I'm not going to go through all of it here because it's a very long article, but it makes a shit ton of great points about the fact that this is just really gross. It's filthy and it should be illegal. Just, it should be illegal. Yeah. And here's what I want to say to all the cops listening that are doing this, you know. I don't want you using for the lulls as a fucking excuse to not do your job and just say, we're going to put out a Facebook post and see if we catch somebody. Great. I want you to say, what would Andy Griffith do? Because Andy Griffith was a damn fine police officer. It just seems like everybody's moved to Barney Fife instead. Timely reference. I think so. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't know who Andy Griffith or Barney Fife are, look it up, kids, somewhere. Get out your parents' encyclopedia. And I finally have a hero of the week. I actually had this back before uh, when baseball was just ending because uh, Freddie Freeman, who played for the uh, Atlanta Braves, uh, was out trick-or-treating and he came across a young child dressed up as him. But the kid didn't recognize him, but he came over and offered to take pictures and photos with him anyways. Hero. And the kid's like, who the hell are you? (laughs) (laughs) It's a cute little video. There's a video posted on the page that his wife shot. Very funny, very heartwarming. Cute. I found this one over at Dig because I get my Dig newsletter still, which is kind of fun. It's called Why the Largest Commercial Plane in the World Failed. And it's about how they're shutting down the A380 program Mm -hmm. from Airbus. I followed this thing when before it was built and all the way through and I see them all the time and I've never gotten to fly on one, which makes me really bummed. (laughs) They're still going to be in service for a long time right? because they've they've made a a ton of them and they're still going to be producing them through next year. But it's a really interesting video on the economics and the history and the landscape of the the planes and the the routes and everything. If you're into that kind of thing, you'll dig Wasn't it. Wasn't part of the problem with that plane is that a number of runways, like many runways, weren't big enough to handle it? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The there, There's some airports that have spent hundreds of... Well, I think it was uh, JFK had to spend $175 million in upgrades right. just so this single plane could land there because you have to have double-decker airways at the gate yeah. 
to be able to get the people on. There's all sorts of stuff. And, you know, the thing is huge. I don't know if you've ever watched one land at LAX. No. <laughs> I was like when they first started going and I got to see one land, I'm driving up the 101 and I see this thing coming in out of the distance and it's massive and it starts to fly right over the, the freeway in front of me. The thing is so big, it looks like it's hovering. Right. It's it's going to, you know, like 180 miles an hour, and it looks like it's not moving an inch. <laughs> it was so cool to see up close. But uh yeah, I've even got a I've even got a photo from the old JPEG magazine offices when they flew the one of the first A380s through San Francisco on a flyby. Right. And everybody and it's still it looked like the thing was just not moving. It's crazy how big that thing is. I always wanted to go on one though. And even though I hate flying. Cockpit Confidential. Everybody, go get your copy of Cockpit Confidential. It'll <laughs> it'll it'll fix you fix you right up. And I saw this one over at Futurism. This AI decodes your brainwaves and draws what you're looking at. Mm -hmm. And this comes out of Russia. Yes, that's right. right. A team from uh, the Moscow Institute of Physics and Technology and Russian Corporation uh, Neurobotics have come up with a basically a thing that you put on your head, and it just watches you while you watch stuff. And after a couple minutes, it can actually see, like, what if you're thinking something, it can start to redraw it on another screen, mm. which is cool, yeah, is cool as hell. Watch the video because I'm like, ah, oh, it's going to be crappy, whatever. They're, it's pretty <laughs> impressive how much stuff they're getting from this cap. Right. Now, my favorite thing about this is like in, in like 10, 15 years when this thing comes to market. Right. I want to be able to hack this and just be able to interject things into my friends' feeds. Max Headroom. That's going to be, well, yeah, what they're thinking. It's like, you know, it's like, okay, I, I'm looking at this and what am I thinking about? And like, just show like, you know, zebras humping or something, or just something random. Right. I was thinking of all the videos we used to watch at uh, the clubs we used to go to, like Perversion. You have all the crazy stuff up on the wall. Oh, yeah. Just play those videos <laughs> whenever they put it on, just to freak them out. I thought that would be fun. But it's cool tech. Go watch the video. I will. And I found an article called Inside the BBC Disinformation Group. Now, the BBC has a group called the Disinformation Group. Right. Bad title. Yes. I have to say. Are they going against disinformation? Are they for it? Are they against or whatever? I'm guessing God, against, obviously. but yes, it's not a good, it's not a great title. No, but it just comes back to like the guy who was, you know, the head of insider trading. It's like, oh, great. I get to do insider trading. <laughs> this guy, these guys are like, oh, I get to make disinformation. It's a really interesting read on this group inside of the BBC. The thing that annoys me about the article is it's like, they say, hey, they have a free newsletter and all their data is public and you can sign up for the newsletter and get all the stuff. No link to the group. Can't find it on Google. So I think this whole article might be fake news because it does. <laughs> as far as I can tell, it doesn't exist. It got through the group. It really did. Good job, BBC. <laughs> Good job. And finally, I read this one on Vanity Fair this morning. It's called He's Fucking Destroyed This Town. How Mark Zuckerberg Became the Most Reviled Man in Tech. <laughs> this puts such a smile on my face. It's just saying, you know, when you go to San Francisco now, no one, no one has anything nice to say about Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah. And you know what Mark Zuckerberg thinks about that? Screw you guys. Fuck you. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm CEO, bitch. Screw you guys. I'm going to my own private Hawaiian island. Feedback loop. We've got some new Patreon subscribers. C and Dave, thank you very much. And over at PayPal, 
We've got a bunch of you guys. Woohoo! Thomas, Thomas writes in, Greetings, I'm listening to you grumps on my fancy AirPods Pro and just wanted to butt in. Well, I haven't tried the new Bezos pods, just hearing the fun about some ear tip not closing the case fully and a third-party app to control them make me glad I paid that premium for these AirPods. Just like a VPN, you get what you pay for. The transparency mode is great on these ear boys. (laughs) I think other ear boys. I too had the first AirPods and the battery suck after two years. Maybe soon we can get AirPods on a subscription without phones. Grump on. Uh, <laughs> next week, we're actually going to have friend of the show MXV call in with a five minute review because he's been testing them out all week and he's kind of an audio file. So there you go. Yep. We, we'll have that next time. We also have PayPal donations from Andrew, William, Jody, Simon, Mike, Breed, Daniel, David, Elizabeth, Steve, Doug, and Ben, who says, I switched from Patreon to PayPal, no particular reason, but just in case everybody else is moving over, eight bucks a month isn't too bad. Damn right. And Jim, who said, great podcast. Thank you, everybody. Fantastico. Woohoo! Yes. Might be able to eat this month. <laughs> over at Twitter, Brendan writes in, thanks to JP Def at GOG Podcast, I was well equipped with an awesome dad joke when my friend told me Alphabet bought Fitbit. All right. Well, see, we're, do- we're doing God's work here. Right. And Moss6502 says, not sure I buy the counterfeit argument and sends us a link to The Verge. Amazon blames error for blocking Nintendo resellers from listing products. So Amazon marketplace sellers who deal in new, use, and refurbished Nintendo products woke up to a particular notice yesterday without warning. Amazon was telling third-party sellers that they could no longer list Nintendo products of any kind without seeking approval. The policy change appeared to affect both Nintendo games and Nintendo hardware. And at first blush, it looked like the two companies had struck a so-called brand-gating deal, common in e-commerce and designed to restrict third-party sellers who may traffic in counterfeits. Isn't this what Apple basically did as well? Yep, Apple's done it. They've done it a couple with with other people too but yeah well they they flipped it back within 24 hours so yeah they they flipped it back within 24 hours i mean i you know i I actually think it's it's a good idea it's just not being implemented particularly well mainly because they're not throwing enough people at it yeah yeah and yeah because amazon does have a have a counterfeit problem big time yep big time they do so and uh but also no notice to the the sellers sucks because people make their living off of this but mm-hmm. like you said you can't you can't build your yeah, <laughs> yeah build your house you in know. somebody else's yard yep <laughs> uh third and command writes in this one's for brian and his mac pc debate stay connected only you can't because there's only two usb connections and this is a picture of an ad for the surface pro mm-hmm. and it's just got yeah there's there's no yep. ports no ports yep. but i expect that from a surface pro uh if i buy a laptop it has ports, unlike Apple. Of course, of course. <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course, a port, a port. Mustavo writes in, have you used your brainwave detector today? And whoever produced this infomercial is not familiar with humans. And this is uh, an article, school ordered to axe brainwave detecting headgear for students. Yeah, this thing is crazy. <laughs> this is, it's a, this like uh, thing that you wear on your head called Focus EDU. Mm-hmm. And it's supposed to track attention from students. And if they're, <laughs> if they're paying attention or not, you have to watch the video to get how crazy this is. And the, the, the fact that it's a real thing is what's yeah. mind boggling because this comes off as a bit from like a, like Black Mirror. It really yeah. comes off as a Black Mirror bit. It really does. And it should be pointed out this is, of course, in China, not here. Ah, uh, but it is developed. It, this is it's an American company, I do believe. The, 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 yes, they were yes. using it in China, mm-hmm. but this is an American company because it's it's technology based on from NASA and I believe Harvard right. uh, that came up with the technology. So we made it. They used it, and they don't like it. So yeah. it's 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 actually the opposite of TikTok. 
Right Film Sleep Repeat writes in, Whenever I hear people talking about one-day delivery, it reminds me of this video from Realistic Marketing, and it's a cute video over on YouTube. We have a link to that in the show notes. Yes, Very funny. <laughs> and over at GOG.show, Quibble writes in, in case you guys haven't seen this yet, this short video about scooter safety popped up on my front page, and it's another kind of funny video over on the YouTubes. Yes, the it notes. is in... It's in Spanish, so. You, but here's the thing. doesn't matter what they say. Just just watch it. Yes. <laughs> I, I almost fell out of my chair. There's a payoff. On that one. There, <laughs> there is a payoff, especially the credits. <laughs> Doug writes in, Hi, geeks. You guys are like my two weird uncles complaining and going on about the good old days. I'm currently working through the old episodes and love hearing young Jason and Brian. In episode 17, Brian mentioned that he was sure that Facebook's passwords would never have been stored in plain text. Jason responded if they did, then they're even more evil than he gives them credit for. It's quite ironic hearing it now, isn't it? Particularly after we just discussed the ring and their passwords being in plain text. Yeah. Some things never change. Some things never change. Also, an interesting channel on YouTube called Data is Beautiful has taken my fancy. The one on music is very eye-opening. Cheers from Down Under. I personally was mesmerized by the biggest dot-com companies from 1998 to 2019. Ooh, that's been updated? I'm going to have to watch that again then. It's fun. Yeah, it's really fun. Excellent. Uh, Scott writes in, Concord Mills Mall in Concord, North Carolina is making it even easier for you to give up your money. And this is a Twitter link to uh, basically a Bitcoin ATM. Just what we need. They are making... It's easier to get your Bitcoin at the mall. Also, I have a Lime scooter at my apartment complex. It's been over a week since I called them to pick it up. We are about 30 miles from the closest location to use a Lime scooter. Better they get it instead of the landfill waters. Grump on. It's amazing that you could get a scooter 30 miles outside of a zone. I guess you could um, throw it in your car. Well, yeah, you got to throw it in your car because yeah. maybe it's maybe it was uh, one of the chargers, charger guys right. went out, got it, brought it home and left it there. Forgot. <laughs> or somebody was trying to take it and refurb it and just dumped it. You know, you never know. Yeah. People are weird. <laughs> Gabe writes in, hi, Grumps. This one is in your own backyard. Illegal drones ground water dropping helicopters at critical moment in the Maria fire battle. Yeah. Again, mm-hmm. dumb shit. Yep. Idiot problems. Uh, yeah. And, you know, we just need more uh, drone busting eagles. But. Unfortunately, they've canceled the program on the drone busting eagles. Dutch police will stop using drone hunting eagles since they weren't doing what they were told. <laughs> now listen, ah, eagle. Ah, ah. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Who who'd have thought that the trained eagles couldn't be trained? Because, you know, you always go to the zoo and see those trained eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Christ. Cameron writes in, speaking of airline tickets, I will say that the distance thing doesn't seem to matter so much since my fiance, who was living in Myrtle Beach while I lived in Charlotte, oftentimes it was cheaper for her to fly to D.C. than it was to fly to Charlotte, despite the fact that the flight to D.C. stopped in Charlotte. You can't book the flight to D.C. and stop in Charlotte, because if you miss the second flight, they'll cancel all of your other flights. And a link to TripAdvisor discussing this conundrum. Uh, Big data and routing. (laughs) Yeah. It's some complicated shiznits, isn't it? It is. Jerome writes in, if you want to speed up Netflix, Prime Video, etc., just install the Video Speed Controller extension. I believe it is available for Opera, Firefox, and Chrome. I've used it for a couple years now to watch shows faster, and it works really well. And we have a link to that in the show notes. There you go. David writes in, I'm reaching out to you as I found what I believe to be a very serious Facebook privacy issues. Uh, Dave, David, David, I could throw a dart 
at a Facebook screen and we'd find <laughs> about a million serious Facebook privacy issues, but this one is pretty good. I brought the issue to Graham Cluley recently and he published my work this week. This is a link to how Facebook helps an abusive ex-partner find out your new identity even after you've blocked them. And it gets into basically if you block somebody and even change your name, uh, your old name or your account ID number will remain dynamically linked to their profile. So say Daniela blocks Jack, and that should be it. However, in Messenger, her new name is displayed in Jack's chat session with her. And also, should he request a copy of his data via their Your Facebook Information link, it displays her new name there too. Now, Facebook has responded to this, and I... I'm torn on this one because they're basically saying that's not what the block functionality is for, which is fine. It's basically just supposed to block people from interacting further when the person applies the block. Okay, understood. But they should have some sort of mechanism to deal with this need, and they don't. Yeah. The block function functions exactly the way they say it does, and it's not meant to handle this kind of situation, but that doesn't excuse them from you know figuring out a way to do that. Yeah, they need to deal with this situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Permablock. Exactly. Superblock. Ultrablock. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Facebook privacy issues, we're going to have, uh, we're going to talk about this on the next show, but the, just just Google uh, Facebook switcheroo and you'll you'll hear, see a bunch of stuff that just came out that we will discuss in depth on uh, the next show because <laughs> it's pretty funny. Mm -hmm. It's actually really sad and depressing, but it's out there. <laughs> yeah. Facebook switcheroo. Google that. Melanie writes in, long-time listener, first-time caller. You guys are a breath of fresh air. I uh, don't know where you're at. You must be in Beijing for fresh air. <laughs> Curious about your thoughts on this new eco-friendly product to come out of the valley. And uh, this is from The Verge. <laughs> new Gadget asks, what if Juicero squeezed bags of soap instead? And basically, uh -oh. that's exactly what it does. It is a basically the exact Juicero machine, except you put in bags of soap instead of bags of juice. Yeah. And, and of course, the people over at this company are like, uh, cleanest. I'm sorry, they're, they're called cleanest. Mm -hmm. uh, they're like, well, we know nothing of this Juicero you speak of. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we have a machine that puts soap into water and stirs it for you. <laughs> All right. There's no no juice involved. <laughs> Time for us to make one, buy up some of the used uh, used uh, machines sitting around and make a, uh, a soup machine. We're next. Uh, what if no, we squeeze I'm, out bags of soup? I'm thinking beer cero. <laughs> squeeze bags of beer. Oh, wait, wait. I think we've... we've wait, I think actually, didn't, didn't they advertise with us? <laughs> we had somebody that did that already. It advertised Hopsy. with us. That's oh, come right. back, Hopsy. I enjoyed yeah. your product. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Over at iTunes, we have a five-star rating from Banjax909 in the UK. Blunt, earthy, and very, very funny. I look forward to hearing them turn their ire on well-deserving targets every week. Highly informative as well, but that's a side effect of a conversation between two people who know tech inside and out. I must listen. Oh, thank oh, you so much. Thank you very much, Banjax909. If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash contact and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five-star and snarky review. And if you're listening to us in the Overcast player, please click that little star next to the episode. We really, really appreciate it. And it's really funny to watch us beat out the New York Times. I love it. Closing shout out! My shout out goes to Hollywood Superman Christopher Dennis, who died at age 52. Christopher was 
the guy who played Superman walking around Hollywood and Highland for so many years. And uh, I used to live right there. And I know friend of the show Fogarty and I had drinks with him on at least one occasion. Very nice guy. Very nice guy. I was just surprised by the quality of his watch that he wore because who knew Superman wore a watch? <laughs> a lot of people I knew were a little bit torn up by this. I guess he he, he was uh, a big figure out there that a lot of people went and talked to. Um, not me, but, uh, you know, there you go. And he was a really nice guy. I mean, he was a really nice guy. You could talk to him anytime. He was super friendly. So, yeah, I mean, when I, that's why I'm putting this in here. I mean, I haven't seen the guy in 15 years, and I still think, like, if I see him, I'd just put, hey, how's it going, man? You know, because he's just a nice guy. Millions of people have seen him there. Sad. Well, there you go. And speaking of nice guys, I am on Eric Hundley's Unstructured podcast this week. So if you have not gotten enough of uh, my voice in your ear holes, check out episode 180 from the music industry to grumpy old geeks out this week. Until next time, I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. To support the show and keep us on the air, go to patreon.com slash GOG. Toss us a few bucks and we'll love you forever. If you don't like Patreon, and most people don't seem to these days, but still want to support the show, you can give a one-time or recurring donation by just going to GOG.show and clicking that PayPal button. Your support really keeps us going, and we really appreciate it. Show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 391. From there, you can find links to old episodes, leave feedback, ask questions, and get links to stuff we like. Stay grumpy.